0: you are locked on indians your daily cleveland indians podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day hello everyone and welcome to locked on indians brought to you by the locker room app Uh, every thursday night i'll be doing a locker room chat from 10 15 which is 11 p.m eastern i know that's late Maybe I'll look to do some weekend shows, some other things like that. But uh, come join me on Locker Room. Currently only on iOS. I'll let you know when it expands to other services. We had opening day. And if you've been listening to the podcast all week, uh, we've been talking with Nash Walker, who talked about the Eddie Rosario experience. Well, he got to see it. Uh, that throw. He talked about he has that strong arm. He is almost, you know, why are people running on him? And then uh, people ran on him. And it's the winning run in this game. And it's... I think, if anything, that is your frustration point. Uh, The Miguel Cabrera home run, I mean, it's picturesque, but it's kind of funny how like there was that small window of snow, and of course that happened right in the middle of that crazy window. But uh, you go back, and what that's in in its own right, if you're a fan of the Indians. But what's so annoying about the third run is drop strikeout, right? It's charged a wild pitch to Bieber. I think I now overusing the MLB TV app on my tablet. It was really hard to get to that point for whatever reason I always wanted to go to ramos's at bat or wanted to go to jones's at bat right after that uh i think it's because of how quick that at bat was for victor reyes yeah the ball drops out of it there and he swings at a pitch out of the zone but i've just gotten so used to roberto getting to those that is it a passed ball is it a wild pitch like i don't know It's one of those I felt like you could call either way. Roberto Perez, if it was on him, uh, he redeemed himself with the home run. If it's on Bieber, he redeemed himself. I mean, let's just talk about Bieber. Six innings, five hits, three earned runs, three walks, that's a little unusual for him. One home run, 12 strikeouts, and two wild pitches. It was interesting, he had two wild pitches. 96 innings, no, 95 pitches, 61 strikes. Good performance by him. Uh... Three runs. We're used to him uh, not giving up three, but uh, it's one of those things where he's not going to always be unhittable. Uh, he's not going to always be the guy he was a year ago, especially because the guy he was a year ago got to beat up on a lot of bad hitting in the central, and that's going to be kind of one of the storylines this year in general with Bieber is how much, uh, how much did his numbers reflect who he faced, and part of the advantage if you were a team pitching in that like let's say. The Chicago White Sox, yeah, the Twins are good. Or if you're a pitcher for the Twins, let's say. That's even a better example. If you're pitching for the Twins, how good was Kenta Maeda? Was he good? Was he top three Cy Young good? Or was he facing the Royals, the Tigers, and the Indians lineups, plus the Pirates and you know the Cubs when they're stinking, and go over that Central? And the Central was not great last year on either side offensively. So I think it is not surprising that there were Maeda, Bauer, uh, Bieber, you know, a lot of Cy Young candidates came from the central for a reason. It was, you got to face lesser competition last year. This isn't to say that Shane Bieber isn't a fantastic pitcher. I think he's still going to be a Cy Young candidate, but I don't know if he's going to win another pitching triple crown like he did last year, doing something that we hadn't seen in decades. So just getting back to this one, you do have to enjoy Cesar Hernandez. First hit of the year being a double after he led the American League in doubles a year ago. Healthy Roberto Perez. Let's talk about that. So I talked about that with Justin Lada on the show for Tuesday, referencing multiple podcasts. So if you missed Justin on Tuesday or you missed Nash on Wednesday or Thursday, he is also going to be our third segment for today's show. Uh, You might have missed out on some real insight that just showed up in this game itself. Like I said, Nash talked about the Eddie Rosario experience. And then Justin and I talked about healthy Roberto Perez. What can he do? Can he get back to kind of that guy he was in the first half of 2019 when he was a borderline all-star candidate? And this is where you have to be happy. One for two, pair of walks, a strikeout. You know, everything else will come with him. The defense is going to be sterling. But if he's hitting for power and walking again, that's what he does. That's when he is at his most dangerous. He is never going to hit for a high average. He's always going to strike out a lot. Lots of walks and 25 home runs. That's incredibly valuable at the catcher position. When you add in what he brings as a defender, I mean, that's a top five catcher in baseball. If he can get back to what he did in the first half of 2019, that might be a top three catcher in baseball. Let's talk about the lineup. I actually like it. Uh, Jordan Luplo needs the at-bats. He should be a solid guy. He murdered left-handers two years ago. Last two years, he just hasn't been healthy at the start of the year. Getting him at-bats, playing him in center field, really nice catch in center as well. Again, going back to 2019, this is a guy who was, I believe, their number one hitter against lefties. Having him in the leadoff spot is interesting. Keeping Cesar Hernandez where he is, Jose Ramirez, Rosario, then Franmo. All good to me. Naylor, six. Uh, I mean, maybe if you flip Roberto Perez, if he can continue to hit. And Chang, but it's interesting trying Chang out, giving him that opportunity. I like lineup construction. I know I have been arguing about lineup construction with Tito. The previous two years, and I know he didn't really manage last year, but lineup construction in the past two years has been a major complaint. I thought this was a really inventive and overall just a really good lineup. I like how they went about it. It showed some additional thought while still keeping to some of the things that I maybe am not the biggest fan of, but I like that there's some original thinking and some things going on in this one. The loss stinks. I mean, there's no way around it. You wait all this time for baseball and you want to get off running and the loss happens. And it again, it's a weird loss because dropped third strike, wild-pitched third strike, whatever we're going to call it, then a double that uh, Jose Ramirez's throwing error people brought up, but what did his throwing error lead to? Nothing. Like, he was trying to get there and just make a play at home, hoping for something there. Uh, It does allow Jacoby Jones to move up, but because they got out of the inning, it had no net effect. If Eddie Rosario hits the cutoff man, maybe... He's out at home. That's the big error there. Again, going back to my talk with Nash, the Eddie Rosario experience. We got it right there in game one. He has such a strong arm. And again, Nash said, like, he doesn't know why anyone runs on him. Well, we saw why. If he's not going to hit the cutoff man, we've had those issues in the past. Um, trying to remember now who we complained about two years ago, never hitting the cutoff man. But that was more the the loss. It's not on a wild pitch or if you thought it was a pass ball. It's not on. It's, it's on the bad throw. And then it's on the fact that this team just couldn't hit. Uh, Matt Boyd is not good. And they made Matt Boyd look fantastic today. Matt Boyd, five and two thirds innings, no earned runs, four walks, just two strikeouts, three hits, multiple double plays, or maybe according to this, just the one, it felt like multiple, I mean, it was just multiple outs at second, but he was able to manage the Indians. And this is a guy who has not been a good pitcher of late. He was a good pitcher in 2019 and we said we throw out 2020 data. So maybe... He'll pitch well enough that the Tigers can flip him for an asset. But as of now, it's just disappointing to see. Like Boyd is a guy that you should beat up on. They have a lineup that is has a lot of righties, a lot of players that you're hoping are going to be able to step in and and perform and offensively. When runners got on base, it was the same story as a year ago in game one. Runners on base and they couldn't do anything. It was almost like you put a runner on base and... It got harder for them. So that's something we'll have to track. Before we talk more about the opener, let's take a quick sponsor break. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And I want to add, so is Major League Baseball. Bet online even covers awards, TV, shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets. It's free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome to bonus. That's right, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sports book. And to get that 50% bonus, use the promo code LOCKED ON. That is how you get that. We have gone and looked at lines, we have gone and looked at uh, stats and over under when it comes to players on the Indians. Something we'll keep paying attention to over with our good friends and sponsors, Bet Online. Maybe I can end up pointing you guys to some winners uh, when it comes to that area. So go check out Bet Online for yourself. See if you can find a way to make yourself a winner using that promo code LOCKEDON. So also go check out Locked On today. All the news you could need when it comes to all things breaking sports news. Go check it out for yourself with host Peter Prikowski today. So it's one game in the books. There's a lot more games to go. Uh, I feel like we have covered this one in depth. Maybe out there you disagree with me. Maybe you think there's something I missed. Uh, We could always do what I did last season. Give my quick shout-out. Cesar Hernandez, a hit and a walk. You got on base twice. Jose Ramirez, same story, on base twice. Going down the line. And then Roberto Perez, only other guy who was on base twice. Pitching was very good. And same old story from a year ago. But it is one game. Let's be calm and rational and realize that It's one game, and we'll see where this team goes from here. I'm still a big believer in the Indians. Uh, You know, I will say on the other side of things, and I talked about Robbie Grossman all year, three walks. I thought he was an under-the-radar signing. I know when I talked with Chris with the Tigers, he thought it was kind of a cheapy signing. There's reasons to like Robbie Grossman. He's been under-the-radar productive for a lot of years. Uh, So three walks in this one, table setter. Now, nothing came of those three walks, but still, getting on base is good. I mean, that's baseball very simply. Let's talk about the other late breaking news, the uh baseball draft. If you missed it, it was announced uh pools were released and all of that information, but it's going to be at least 20 rounds, a chance it could go up to 30. Now if you remember when we got 5 rounds last year, it was like 5, but maybe we'll go to 10. I don't know if we'll expand up to 30 or not, but I think there's a good chance we will. And here's why there's a good chance we will. They're making a big deal on the draft now. It's a three-day event. It's July 11th through the 14th, I believe. It's during the All-Star Game. They're doing a lot to make this a signature thing for them. And since they're making it a signature thing, unless they're going to change the format, uh, if you make Day 3 10 rounds, it's going to take about an hour and a half. Uh, Day 3 is a long affair. It has always been one of those things where back when I was covering the draft heavy, heavy, uh and I I remember writing up the Indians' picks. Uh when I was at Indian Space Bond back in the day. If you ever went to Indian Space Bond and are like, wow, they've got a profile on every guy in the draft. that was me. <laughs> that was what I did from 2012 on, I believe. I wrote up every single pick as it happened. So they would announce a pick and I would start writing and researching. So if I didn't know them, which often on day three I did not, that was me trying to find a pick and write it up before the next pick came out. And I was able to do that. That's something in a way I'm kind of proud of. But it also made day three just like, it was non, non-stop. And it became one of those things when I went to scout, I remember my first year with day three, I was sitting there in year one and two at scout. I would do kind of a overall, like this is grading a team's draft. And I would talk about like my favorite day three picks and all of that. And that became difficult because I, I had to wait till we were deep in day three. So that was also very I mean, I, back in scout, if you ever read any of my work there and a lot of it was not behind a paywall, it was, I would write the equivalent of like a fantasy novel, like 130 to 150 words over four to five days when it came to that. Cause I wrote up every single pick in the first, second round of both comp rounds. And then I would do profiles where I would put them in order of whose draft I liked the best to the whose draft I liked the worst. I didn't grade them, but I just ranked each division on how much I liked them And it was a labor of love, but man, by the time it was done, I just wanted to like zone out. And I say all of this because again, if they want to make this a big deal, going 30 rounds gives you that. What this will likely cut out is things like the Indians haven't done this as much of late, but when I would sit there and talk about how, for instance, in last year's draft, you had, um, Austin Martin and Asa Lacey both going in the top five picks and they're both former Indians picks. Now that's not on the Indians that they failed to sign them. The Indians drafted them on day three, knowing they couldn't sign either player because they wanted an opportunity to talk to them. If you sign someone, you can't, or I'm sorry, if you draft someone, you get an opportunity to talk to them. And a lot of teams also viewed it as like a reward. Like, yeah, we know we can't get you, but you deserve to be drafted. So we're going to draft you. It also became a way to reward uh, family members or people with ties to the organization. For instance, um, one of uh, Tom Hamilton's sons, I think it was Nick was drafted. Brad was not. I really expected him to be drafted by the Indians as well. They had kind of stopped at that point. Uh, Peter Dolan's son got drafted. <laughs> yes, I wrote a report on him. Let me tell you, that was one of the ones that was hardest to find information on. Uh, in general, he just you know he was he was drafted because his dad owned the Indians. Uh, but there were things like that. Uh, the Padres drafted Johnny Manzal, Mon- no Manzal. So there was a lot of kind of stories like that through the years. So. Just when you're you're looking at the draft, cutting down to thirty means we won't get as many of those. There'll probably still be a few of those in rounds twenty-five to thirty. And it's always like you know draft ID number seven, eight, nine, nine, seven. We'd like to um, point out that so and so is the son of our area scout, blah blah blah, or is the son of Red Sox hitting coordinator, da da da. Now sometimes you would have that happen, and they're like a legit prospect. Like it's not always non-prospects. You know, if you did that with like Alec Thomas, who's a big prospect for the Houston. Nope, for the Arizona Diamondbacks, you know his dad was is still, I believe, the uh, uh, fitness coordinator and uh, whatever the ex- full title is for the White Sox. Uh, but he was a round two pick, so you don't get that whole um, speakerphone announcement like you do with the rest. But you would hear legitimate prospects taken that way too, because when your dad, uncle, you know, has played Major League Baseball or is connected to the sport, it, it is advantageous. Let's be honest. There's a reason why the Blue Jays built one of the best farm systems in baseball, being entirely focused on bloodlines. It works. It's something to know. So, yeah, you know, the draft. uh, I'm excited. I've started kind of laying my groundwork. I've been watching a lot more in general with it. Uh, Kumar Rocker, it looks like he struggled tonight. I'll put that out there. But it's kind of nice to see someone like him face real competition and still be effective, even when he's maybe not having his best stuff in anything. That's something that helps. Uh, when you're trying to evaluate these kids and man, <laughs> lighter and rocker is one of the most interesting combinations we have seen, uh, since I've covered this, since maybe going back to like when, uh, Florida had, uh, Logan shore, AJ, P- uh, puck and oh, why am I uh, Alex Viado, who would be go on to be a high go to the tigers, uh, the next year. So it's a, it's a fun team, very interesting to look at. And, uh, you know, we'll take a quick break and then come back with that last bit of our conversation with Nash Walker from earlier this week. It's the championship. We talked about that before. Uh, I don't have any more of the coconut brownie because I'm out. I ate them all. So this morning for breakfast, I decided instead I was going to revisit the semifinal match. I had a cookie dough and I had a cookies and cream. I had them both. I still think cookies and cream is better. I know people love cookie dough and I've talked about that there was a delay in my order because people love cookie dough so much. Uh, the very nice thing is, you know, in case anyone's like, Oh, your order was delayed. They sent me a $10, um, code. So it's like, yeah, there was a minor inconvenience because they were very popular. You know, how many people don't send things on time? And then when you ask about it, you get nothing, not built bar. That's their customer service. They are taking care of you. They are looking out for you. They have a fantastic product. Like I said, my last order, I got boosts. I got the broth. I got the bars. I love it all. Go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON15. That is the same percentage you get as a repeat customer. So it is a fantastic deal. LOCKEDON15, BuiltBar.com. Go check it out for yourself. You won't regret it. It is just delicious. Everyone in our chat loves it, and for good reason. You know, I had a lot of draft talk in this one. Go check out MLB Prospects with our good uh, buddy Aram. I gotta bug Aram and see if uh, he wants to come back on the show at some point, or if he wants me to come over there and talk draft. I'll have to figure it out. But either way, go check out Locked On Prospects. Uh, out East, I'm still going to believe in the Rays. I know it's easy to to go to New York uh, or to just look at what happened and think the Rays are going to have a hangover and they traded Snell, but New York's pitching scares me. I I can't be the only one who, you know, Garrett Cole is Garrett Cole, but Kluber did not look back at all this uh, spring training. Teon has never been able to stay healthy. Herman had that you know, the reason he was suspended I think that's going to keep coming up. That's the the domestic violence issues are going to be something that aren't going to go away anymore. And that's going to get, that rightfully should not go away anymore. Let me clarify that. But when you have him in there, that's, that's going to become to a degree a distraction and they just don't have starting pitching depth. Um, So that's why I'm still leaning towards Tampa because they just have more depth than anyone. And then, I I think Oakland is the team too, even with their loss and kind of how they're moving things around for this year. I still think they're the team out uh, in the West. When I look at the wild cards, I I probably do. See, this is where it gets tricky. And I've talked about on the other shows is just the idea that like Texas, Boston and Baltimore aren't trying, but everyone else is at least trying to put a foot forward and get Mm. better I'm not sure that I'm going to jump on the blue blue Jays bandwagon, uh, which might be surprising for some because they are such a popular team, but it's another team like the starting pitching staff. They might have more questions than any team that's trying to contend out there with what they have in place. And that's why I won't jump on them. I'm going to put the Yankees in because they're still the Yankees and they could pull off a trade somehow. They just have those bottomless pits of money. And uh, at this point in time, I'm gambling wise, I would go with Minnesota over Cleveland, but I I think like Cleveland and Houston are kind of those next two teams uh, for me. And then uh, I put those two ahead of Toronto. Like if we're doing like a listing and I know most places don't agree with that, but those are, that's how I would see it. Just because over the course of a long season, you need that pitching depth. Yeah. And I mean, Toronto's pitching scares me and Houston's Listen, already got a bunch of, yeah. And Houston's got a bunch of, of injuries. And I mean, New York, I just kind of put in there because the, the lineup and then having bottomless bits of money means they can go out and add as needed. But I think those are my five. What is your overall thought?
1: Yeah, I think that's an interesting, an interesting group. I think that's uh, off the beaten path a little bit, certainly. Um but, you know, I think Oakland is just so interesting. Every year, I feel like they are looked over. And I don't know, though. Like, I just feel like they lost so much um, of their – and I know Semien struggled in 2020, but I just feel like they lost a lot in the offseason. And I know they added Romo and, and Brock back uh, Petit, I believe. But it just doesn't feel – doesn't feel like the same group. Uh, you know, Jesus Lazardo and Chris Bassett at the top, I think, uh, is a good one, too. Uh, Houston, I mean, it's it's going to be about Christian Javier, Jose Arquiti. What do those guys look like? Because if those guys are taking steps forward, you already have Granky McCullers, Oderizzi, a solid one, two, three, and then those young guys come through. That's and that lineup is special, as we know. Still very talented, but they lost Springer. You know, Verlander still out, so question marks with them. I agree. I think the East. I don't know. I think the biggest thing this offseason has been that the Rays are getting very little respect for winning the American League. Very little. Like, yeah, like projection systems and and betting betting lines. Uh, it's easy to look at the Yankees. And yes, I think they have the best right handed quartet in baseball with LeMahieu, Judge Stanton and, and Torres. And if Gary Sanchez can be 2019 Gary Sanchez, that would be huge, especially because I think Judge and Stanton eventually will be on the injured list. But I think it's easy to get caught up in their lineup. And then it's easy when it's the Yankees, like you said, to just kind of gloss over those concerns because it's the Yankees. But, yeah, the rotation, like, when you look at it nuts and bolts, it's it's a rotation full of, of those question marks of guys who haven't thrown since 2019, really, of guys who are coming back from Tommy John, like Luis Severino. Or, uh, you know, uh, we'll see what happens there. But I'm not crazy about that rotation. And I think the Red Sox offense is pretty good, so – uh, their pitching staff will be bad. I think their offense will be above average, so I think they could beat up the Yankees a little bit. I think the Central is going to be tighter. You know, I, I want to believe that the Twins will be able to outlast those other clubs through 162 uh, with Luis Arise as the 10th man. I think will benefit them a lot just in plugging and playing and giving guys days off and trying to keep guys fresh. But it's going to be hard for them not to win the division if Donaldson and Buxton are healthy. Over the full season. I think those two can give you such immense value on both sides. Uh, that's that's the key for them. Just that the at the upside of of Donaldson and Buxton is so big that they need to be healthy. And then I do believe that they have, well, they might not have, you know, that the the Cleveland rotation. I think they have six or seven guys, like you mentioned, Domnak. I think Lewis Thorpe looked really good this spring for what it's worth. And I think he can start. Uh, hopefully, bounce back from a couple of really poor years, but I think they have uh, guys that they can rely on in the rotation for rotation depth as well. And I just look at those other teams, and and I think, as you mentioned, like Cleveland's going to be in a lot of trouble if they lose a, a main bat. Chicago's going to be in a lot of trouble if Dylan Cease all of a sudden becomes their third starter, and he's still walking everyone or giving up a bunch of home runs. So I think from a depth standpoint. I think the twins, I feel good about it, where they have options if they do have those injuries and, and they're going to have guys step in who, as you said, would start on some other teams. Like, I think it's a luxury for them to have Simmons at short and then push a rise to that 10th man role. Williams Asadio, I think I believe in the bat and he can he can play around a little bit. And, and you mentioned Kyle Garlick and Rooker and they got they got options off the bench. So I feel good about the depth in that, in that sense. But if Chicago and Cleveland stay healthy too, this is going to be a heck of a race. And I think it's going to come down to the wire um but i think again like those injuries is is just something over 162 with these pitchers ramping back up is going to be such a point this year where i think uh, i think it's going to be huge like who can stay healthy in the central as is always the case like that's <laughs> you say that every year but especially this year ramping back up uh i like the blue jays too jeff but yeah the rotation man like i think tanner roarks their number 2 starter Uh, I'm not crazy about it. I like their lineup a lot. I think they're exciting. I think they're like the 2019 White Sox in a way, or 2020 White Sox in some ways of of a team on the rise with a good core, but just not. They're not refined. I think they'll win a lot of ball games, but I I would love for them to sneak in the wild card. And then the Angels, like, they just need to do one more thing. You know, they just. I always feels like every off season's the same, and then every season's the same. It's like. They got to go out and and make a big trade. And I know you're a scout guy and I know you appreciate the prospects, but like you got Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh in the outfield. You got Trout. You still have Upton. Like they could swing a deal for Marsh or Adele. I feel like and get someone like Luis Castillo. And I feel like that's something that they should have done a long time ago. It's easy to say, you know, Cincinnati doesn't seem like they want to run away from Castillo and they shouldn't, but it just feels like Los Angeles is, 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 <sighs> I just feel like they're not well run. I would love to see them make the playoffs and let Mike Trout get back in there. Um, but yeah, I'll go with. I'm going to go with Houston. I'll take the Twins in a really tight race, just because I think they'll outlast um, to the end. And I think the White Sox and, and Cleveland will battle for that second wild card spot. But it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm excited for this season. I think it's going to be enjoyable.
0: No, I agree. And I think one of your great points there is just the depth issue. And I think like when if you go through and you look at these lineups, it's like that's the big advantage the twins and the Rays have over everyone else no one else can really approach those two teams for depth and I think it's very important to point out what you point out it's like you talked about the situation with like Toronto and and uh, the, the Yankees the one great advantage of the twins is the pitching depth and how useful it is to have sixth or seventh guy who can step into that situation and over the 162 we'll we'll see how it plays out but I think that depth is specifically when it comes to the Twins and uh the Rays, maybe, you know, the hidden advantage that gets overlooked at points?
1: Well, that's how they're going to have to win. You know, that's that's their strength is that they have that depth where they can they can bounce back from injuries easier. They feel like they can. They built a roster in that way. The Simmons signing was a key example of that, you know, and as much as it was about Polanco moving to second, it's just like adding that depth of having a rise as your 10th man is, is a luxury for Rocco and something that they really value. They're not going to have, they don't have like those huge names and the the names that are bigger. Like I mentioned, Donaldson and Buxton have those injury question marks, but they they're going to live and die by their depth. And they won a lot of games in 2019 with just the, the bats and just how special that was. But they had five guys hit 30 home runs. That's lineup depth you know, that's, that's guys where down six, seven, eighth spot is a lot better than some other teams, six, seven, eight spots, but maybe their one, two, three, isn't as strong. And that's just, that's the strength of the team. That's how they're going to have to win in 2021. Jeff, thanks so much. That was fun. Uh, we're going to have to link back up because I do think that this division is going to be re- very tight in 2021. Uh, thank you for that. That was fun. Two days to opening day. Do you have a bold prediction for the 2021 season?
0: My bold prediction uh, throughout this offseason has been that the Indians' offense will be better than it was a year ago, even though they traded away Lindor. Uh, it's, it may not be that bold because it's actually pretty easy to look at and see reasons why, but uh, they, I think in some respects, based on what we saw a year ago, the Indians are going to miss m- more Lindor's leadership than his bat.
1: Yeah. I'll say for the Twins, this is the boldest of boldest that you could have on this team, is that Byron Buxton will play 130 games. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the bolt. You look at this roster. It's not like oh, Miguel Ceno is going to hit sixty home runs, or you know, Maeda is going to win the Cy Young. No, Byron Buxton will stay healthy for 130 games. That is just the most, the biggest, widest, largest, hottest take I've ever had. But uh, that's my take, and I hope that it's true. Jeff, thanks again. Uh, let's talk again soon.
0: Definitely, it was a lot of fun. I have to uh, link up at some point when they're either before they play or after they play a series. Jeff, I'll
1: uh, I'll take care of Milwaukee for you. I'm excited.
0: And that is the final bit of my talk with Nash. You can tell he's a good dude, uh, fun guy, covering the Twins. Go check out his show, especially when the Twins and Indians are going to face. That's a great time to do that crossover. Listen, hear what someone else thinks about your team. I have been Jeff Ellis. This is the Locked On Indians podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. Monday, I'm going to finally sit down and give thanks uh, to people who have left reviews. I am behind in doing that. Uh, we had a great push at the beginning of March, kind of faded later into the month. Now that the baseball season's back, let's keep push, push, pushing download daily. Uh, my trick, honestly, yes, I do this to help my own show. I download, I put it on mute and I press play. That's something I do it's, it's simple as that. Even if it's a show, maybe you don't think you're going to get to, it just helps us a lot if you download and play everyone. Just because the the way it gets rated, they can somehow tell when things are played versus not. I guess I don't know. It's not my specialty, but downloading daily, rating and reviewing when you download, playing, all of that is so helpful. Keep helping push our grow to, or grow our show to grow. Uh, in terms of future guests, I was talking with um, the Deary Brothers from the Jury Brothers podcast about maybe coming on. Um, Had some discussion with Ben Axelrod over from uh, WKYC about coming on. So we should have some more fun and interesting guests in the near future. So make sure that you are listening for those. I, I already told you who I am. So instead, for the next year, maybe two, go Tribe. And remember, it's just one game. Stay calm. It's one game. This would be like less than one minute in the first quarter of the first Browns game of the year if we were doing a comparison.